Welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops here Wednesday afternoon. Delighted you're with us as always. Joined per usual on Wednesdays by John Michael Hoefling, the pride of ABC10. He's kind enough to lend us his time and be with us here on our phone line. What's up, Mike? Not much, man. Not much, man. Glad to be here once again. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, always good to have you, you know, per usual on Wednesdays. We've got a lot to get into today with the restart plans for both basketball and hockey, plus the proposal with Major League Baseball to get them underway. And ESPN has named their top 10 basketball players of all time, plus who does the universal DH help the most? I've got some thoughts on that. I've got a list of teams who that's going to help the most. All that and more over the course of today's show. But I tell you what, Mike, I want to start where we left off last week because you talked about your team of the year bracket and how you're pitting brother against brother, Munison uh, boys basketball against Munison cheer. How'd that all end up? Um, Munison cheer ended up winning the whole thing. They received the most votes of anybody. It was the second closest time that they had. I mean, the Sweet 16, they only won by six votes. But in the finals, it was the second closest between Munison boys basketball. And I was looking at all the shares that people did of the post, and most of the time when I saw shares of anything that had Munising cheer in it, it was, you know, just a ton of, just a ton of people going for Munising cheer, all the athletes, because they had seven people, uh, they had seven athletes, their coach, and then they also had a bunch of people from Escanaba cheer who were rooting for the same sport, and a bunch of coaches from downstate who were trying to, you know, spread the word of their sport too, sharing the cheer. But this time, I saw about the same in terms of posts and shares for Munising Cheer and Munising Boys Basketball. But it just goes to show the reach that Munising Cheer had and that competitive cheer had and how uh, sisterly the sport is uh, between schools. So, I mean, like, a lot of times it can get, you know, dramatic between, you know, schools and basketball, rivalries and whatnot. But competitive cheer just seems very friendly with one another and you know sports are competitive and you know Escanaba and Munising are very competitive with one another but you know they support each other and that was good to see. I tell you what that uh, was of course last week and it was fun following that journey really neat idea you guys had over at ABC 10 and I had Tyree on yesterday and he teased that you guys had some predictions on uh, on the upcoming football season that he said we're kind of out there. I don't know if it was just for him or if it was you both, but knowing you, I think it might have been you both. Uh, how'd that end up going? It went up. It went. It wound up ending up pretty good. We aired that yesterday. Um, the, our predictions for the Lions and Packers seasons. Uh, Tyree had a pretty outlandish uh, prediction. He said that for the second straight year, the Lions will tie the Cardinals. So, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. He, he made that prediction. He said they'd go 9-6-1, and one, which, uh, I mean, that's a pretty up-there suggestion for the Lions, you know? 9-6-1 from a 3-12-1 season. So do you think he predicted the Packers to do better or worse than that? I think he predicted uh, – you mean uh, better than last year or better than the Lions? Better than the Lions. I – don't think he predicted. I, I'm going to guess. I didn't see the segment. I'd like to check it out on demand, but uh, I don't think he predicted the Packers do as well as the Lions. Yeah, he and I both predicted them to go 7-9 and nine based on their schedule. And um, I, I know that that might sound a little bad, but 
I mean, if I don't know if we're going to talk about this later on the show, but Packers, you take a look at the first half of their schedule, and boy, oh boy, it seems daunting to say the least. So I, I, I have them going two and six in the first half of the schedule through the first eight games, and then improving over the second half, but finishing with a record of seven and nine. I still think Minnesota is going to take the division this year because Green Bay didn't get better over the draft, and I don't know how they're going to improve upon their game plan from last year unless Aaron Rodgers gets the fire lit under him from the presence of Jordan Love, which I don't think is going to happen. Well, I so, agree. I agree. I think Minnesota does win that division, but 7-9 and nine for the Packers? I don't know about that. I, I, I might put them at 9-7, and seven, something like that. Yeah, 7-9, and 9-7. Nine, nine and Maybe, maybe 10 and 6 is where I have, but uh, just my early on, my very first predictions looking at their schedule and just basing it off of absolutely nothing other than what I think they're going to win. Like, I didn't do uh, much research for these, these predictions. I was just looking at their schedule and went, man, that's a tough first half. Let's see what they can do. So, based off of just that, they went seven nine. I had the Lions going three and thirteen. So, yeah, that's right. just what I had. So, far. so you don't think the Lions are going to improve much from last year? This is it for Patricia and Quinn. Well, the Lions pretty much, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, our news director Trent went a step further. So he thinks they're going to go four and twelve, and he thinks after an embarrassing loss on national TV on Thanksgiving against the Texans, that's when Patricia and Bob Quinn are going to lose their job. I like these bold takes. I mean, tying the Cardinals again, uh, national TV, like very specific. I like these. Yeah. So that, that was a good one. I'm glad we got to do that. And then we, of course, had Lily, who doesn't know much about sports. She tried her darndest. <laughs> and uh, she was saying things like, you know, the Lions will beat Tampa Bay because I just found out that they were a team a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Packers are going to lose to the Vikings because they play the Vikings again really fast, so they'll probably be pretty nervous. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know Lily, and this sounds exactly like her. You do a good Lily. I mean, you've done your impression of me before. Uh, I heard you throw in there that that darndest, that you know, kind of nod. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, but no, I, I I do know Lily, and bless her heart, you sound exactly like her. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. Try my best. <laughs> I tell you what, um, you try your darndest. Uh, but either no, or, uh, that's what we love about ABC10. They're not afraid to go there. Not everybody likes that, but you know what? We like that here at ESPN-UP. We like seeing somebody take the bold stance. So we're going to give you the opportunity, Michael, to take a few more bold stances a little bit later on here in the show. Uh, here's one that we could take a bold stance on. The L.A. Rams have become the latest team to issue new uniforms. They updated their helmet. They have the iconic horns with a little bit of a modern twist, as they called it. Their uniforms are almost reminiscent of the Pro Bowl, like in that motif uh, where the numbers fade a little bit. They fade from gold to white uh, as you get toward the bottom of the jersey. And, you know, it's not the worst new jersey that's in the NFL. It's not, like, great. I don't know if it's even good, but it's not bad. It's just it's one of those, you know, meh kind of uniforms. I just, I don't know. It doesn't really do much for me. I get it. They're trying to rebrand with a new stadium this year, but it, it really doesn't move the needle for me in any which way. I, I mean, I'm, I've never been a big uniform guy. I feel like every time we talk about uniforms on your show, it's always just me making some overarching statement to make to pass time, you know? <laughs> and, uh, 
I don't know. I've never been somebody who gets distracted by uniforms or enjoys a bad un- or uh, enjoys a good uniform or a bad uniform. I think the only uniform that really made me step back and go, huh, was the Denver Nuggets with Maxi the Miner. Oh. Do you remember those? Yep. Yeah, those are the only ones that really made me, like, step back and go, huh, that's not good. <laughs> but uh, uh, everything else I'm just sort of, like, I just sort of go with, you know? I genuinely and, uh, did not think you were not a uniform guy. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I think about it, and everybody's like, what do you think of these uniforms? And I'm always like, they're fine, I guess. Uh, I, I do I do care about logos. I hate logo Like, I hate some logos. I love some logos. But in terms of uniforms, most teams pulled off pretty well. And, like, if you've ever played me in Madden, oh, my gosh. If you if we ever get into an edit uniform contest where we edit the uniforms before we play, every single time when I unveil my uniform in the, in the contest, my opponent always goes, you chose that? That's hideous. So, like, I'm pretty bad when it comes to, you know, building my own and creating my own. So I don't know if I have any say in how bad a uniform is in general. I genuinely did not know that about you. That, that you know, and really, I've never really met somebody like that who isn't someone who has an opinion on what uniforms are good and what are bad. But, you know, well, I, I can your see- logic, your reasoning behind it. Well, I mean, I can say what uniforms are good or bad, but I'm not like a person who hates anything. Like, I can say that the Atlanta Falcons new uniforms are bad, but oh. I, don't, I don't hate them. I still think people look good in them because, let's face it, although they might look like the mean machine from the longest yard, Adam Stanley looked pretty dang good in that. So, <laughs> Him and <laughs> Nelly, know? they pulled it off. Nelly and yeah, who else was in did. that movie? Uh, Michael Irvin, wasn't he in that? Uh, yeah, wasn't Burt Reynolds in that movie? Yep, too? he was or, in it. Terry yeah. Crews was in it. But that was a good, like, that was a great cast, if you think about it. Good movie, too. I really good it. movie. Uh, do you prefer the old Longest Yard or the new one? I have never seen the old Longest Yard, I haven't either. so I can't say. I don't feel like it'll be as funny as the new one, so I don't know. I don't really have any plans in the immediate future to watch it, but I just know I like the new one. Man, I might have to dig out that DVD, because I'm kind of in the mood to watch it now. Yeah, go for it, man. All right. Well, I tell you what. Uh, by the way, here before we go to break, and you know, I don't want to get into something right now, so let's just do this here until we go to break. What are you watching right now? Are you binging anything? Because I had this conversation with Tyree yesterday, and he was just a floored that I'd never watched The Office because apparently he's a big fan of it. What are you watching? Well, my, I mean, I'm in the middle of The Witcher right now. It's not that long. I wouldn't say I'm binging it. I'm watching maybe, you know, two episodes every three days or something like that. But I finished a lot of stuff, and I'm running out of stuff. So, Are you, you know? re-watching anything? No, I, I've never found the appeal in re-watching things that you don't absolutely love. Like, I've re-watched Game of Thrones nine times. I love Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from Game of Thrones, there hasn't been anything that I truly loved enough to rewatch multiple times like maybe parks and recreation because i love that show i binged all of community lately because that was on that just came on netflix so i watched all of community i watched all of bojack horseman i watched all of one punch man and now i'm in the middle of the witcher so yeah so, you've been binging a lot been. lately yeah i'm binging a lot but it's become more sporadic as time has gone on what is the witcher i can honestly say i've never heard of it it's a Game of Thrones-esque show where it's got, like, kings, queens, dragons, magic, stuff like that, based around a monster hunter. And monster hunters 
are mutants in that world called called Witchers, and that's what it is. It's based off a series of books, which were turned into video games, which has now become a TV show starring Henry Cavill, a.k.a. Superman. Wow. Um, okay. I mean, it sounds entertaining for you. I, I don't know if I would <laughs> like it, but I'm glad that you found something yeah. you like. Hey man, you don't have to enjoy every show. I do everybody's yeah. got their own. I agree. Taste. I agree with that. It kind of kind of sounds like the Matrix a little bit. The Matrix. What about that? Sounds like the Matrix. Isn't isn't the Matrix the one where they're all isolated because of the monsters like outside? They're like they have to isolate themselves in a little like forwarded community, and there are all these monsters outside. Is that the Matrix? I mean, in a sense, yes, but that's not really what the Matrix is about. So like people live in a in a in a world where there's like robots trying to kill them but they escape via a you know via a new world called the matrix I'm, I'm, there's a there's a lot of movies that i feel like are referencing this the uh the plot you're saying right now wait, 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 wait. it's it's robots not monsters that they're hiding from yeah in the matrix it's robots oh i didn't fi- i didn't finish the movie i didn't like it <laughs> that it's sounds a, more like a, the Terminator. It's a Jesus Christ allegory. <laughs> it sounds more like the Terminator a little bit. Oh my gosh! Wait, wait. There's like I feel like you're talking about a different movie. Go to break and we'll we'll, we'll think about it <laughs> over break. Let's do that here. Uh, when we come back, some new proposals to restart hockey and basketball. Plus, we have the baseball plan in place. Next on ESPN UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm EJ Kostriva, Regional President. And it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive-through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. productive commercial break michael was teaching me about these different shows and helping me get some of these facts straight some of these plot points and premises for different tv shows and movies that i'm probably never going to watch i I, but either way i appreciate it michael you helped me get a better grip on stranger things uh the matrix i'm i'm it, it doesn't move the needle for me. Like, those are kind of the Rams jerseys. Uh, it doesn't change my opinion really on them, but I appreciate you taking the time nonetheless. Oh, of course, man. Uh, I'm just upset that we couldn't figure out what movie or show you were exactly talking about before the break. I'm, you um, know, I, I, I'll, I'll give it some more thought. I'll, uh, I'll pin that to a wall here, and uh, we'll come back to it. Maybe we can lay out the groundwork or something for it. Uh, maybe. I tell you what, though, there are – some plans in place to restart baseball hockey and basketball professionally and you know baseball it sounds like they've kind of hit a snag in the sense that owners are going to lose money if they have this season and they have to do it without fans and the salaries are uh, manipulated to advocate for a shortened season um so i i don't know if this plan is going to go through i know the owners did approve it Uh, I'm hoping it does selfishly just because I want baseball. But one of the plot points here with this, Michael, and I want to get your thoughts on it as a a fan of a National League team, um, 
there is going to be a universal DH in baseball, kind of on ex an experimental basis. But I could see this becoming permanent if if things go well. Uh, but your thoughts on the exp uh, experimental universal DH? Yeah, I mean, all it took was a global pandemic to get the owners to finally change their mind, right? <laughs> um, I like it a lot, especially because Madison Bumgarner is no longer on the Giants. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> pitchers yeah, who can rake are special. I mean, you know what? If they can rake yeah. that much, then you put them in the lineup. You have them pinch hit, but no, I, you know, I love it that Bartolo Colon. It was like the, I don't know, eighth anniversary of his uh, two-run homer the other day. Despite moments like that, I don't want to see pitchers bad. I don't want to see Justin Verlander swing at an 0-2 count. I, I want to see the best hitters up there and uh, go by the American League rule. So I am really happy to see this. But I've been thinking, Michael, about some teams who this benefits. Who benefits the most from having a universal DH? So I've got a list of teams here. You tell me what you like about my reasoning, what you don't like. And the team that immediately jumps out to me as having one of the greatest advantages with a universal DH is the L.A. Dodgers. As good as they are and as deep as they are, and they always have been, they are going to benefit the, uh, from this, I think, more than anybody else, where you can have Kiki Hernandez, a guy who's one of the uh, better utility men, better pinch hitters in baseball. You can get him in the lineup more often. and Their bench is just so deep to the point where they were making the World Series run a few years ago with former All-Stars, Manny Machado, Brian Dozier on their bench. They've always had this kind of depth. To me, I think they're going to be the team that benefits the most from having a universal DA. That could be a good one. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are very deep, but in terms of when it comes to a, a DH, it's all about the top-tier talent. It's who would you put out there in your A-plus lineup, and who would you have in the D designated hitter spot that would be the best possible hitter? So for me, I think that the Chicago Cubs maybe benefit a little bit more because of strictly Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> who I think is the best, uh, I mean, legitimately. Like, no, I agree. They were on my list. Yeah, you can have Wilson Contreras uh, in the catcher's position, and then you can still have that solid defensive outfield and have Kyle Schwarber still in the lineup. That's pretty deadly. I tell you what, the Cubs and the Dodgers certainly were a couple of teams that were on my list. A third team here, and this is pertinent to some of our listeners, Michael, I think the Brewers are going to benefit from this. They've got a lot of young outfield prospect guys that are probably ready to take the next step. And you move an aging veteran like Ryan Braun, who can still rake, he can still yeah. hit the ball really well, you slide him into the DH spot. You move Trent Grisham over to the left so he doesn't mess up that uh, ground ball into the <laughs> they outfield. They could have done that last year. Yeah. I like that, too. I like that, too. Anytime you can move Ryan Braun away from fielding is a good day. And I tell you what, he would be up there on that list as potential DH candidates. How about the Cincinnati Reds? You think they could benefit from this? Because I do. They have a group of guys that are good hitters, but not necessarily great fielders. Guys like Nick Castellanos. Mike Moustakis is starting to get up there. He's not the fielder that he once was. Uh, you've got a really potent batting lineup. And until now, you really didn't have the place to put him. I I think that it could benefit them, but I don't think that they're deep enough to the point where a designated hitter spot is going to help them too much. Because, yeah, you'll get better in the field, but you're going to throw somebody in there who's not exactly the best hitter, I feel like, in order to replace the person who's moving to the DH spot. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know their that. lineup well enough, or I don't know their bench well enough to say whether or not I think it's going to be helpful. Because at some point, like, it'll be better than having a pitcher, but I don't think it would help them as much as it's going to help other teams. 
do you think that the same could be said? We're talking about depth here. Uh, the Nationals, as deep as they were during their postseason run, uh, they've got, I, at least I think they've got the depth that they could be pretty darn effective. I think with this. Ryan, Zimmer, Ryan Zimmerman would be an excellent DH mm-hmm. choice for them. He's not a good fielder anymore, but uh, he's still a phenomenal bat. So, yeah, I think that could help them out a lot. I'm trying to think of who else there could be. You can move Bryce Harper to the DH spot because <laughs> Lord knows he's atrocious at fielding. Um, I think that could work. Yeah, the Phillies could really help them out. Phillies, okay, yeah. So the Phillies with maybe, I uh, I don't know about moving Bryce Harper, but uh, maybe maybe it's an option for them. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't, that, be, wouldn't that be a great story? <laughs> $330 million contract to be a designated hitter. Gosh, I love it. <laughs> I tell you what. Um, here's a team that I'm not even sure if I should put on this list, Michael, but help me work through this. Could the Mets benefit from this? Because they have a congested outfield. They had the, the McNeil kid. He came on really strong toward the end of last year. I think he was an all-star, and uh, he had a, a really good season, became an everyday starter. They will get Johannes Cespedes back. This could potentially be a spot for him to maybe replace somebody in the outfield and that calls for the dh or even himself he could be the dh yeah do they still have jay bruce i don't i don't know if they do i'm not sure where jay bruce is but he's like a perfect dh candidate yeah because he's the one guy where as soon as you said mets i was like i'm not sure like jay bruce and yoana cespedes i feel like they're always hurt so i never know what team they're actually on anymore because they're never playing. But, yeah, Jay Bruce and you understand this would be in, incredible DH candidates. Uh, I just looked him up. Though. He's with the Phillies. So he's probably going to be the DH. Um, so, no, uh, Bryce Harper is, <laughs> is going to stay in right field. <laughs> ah, that's a shame. And then, of course, the uh, final team, and I should say teams, because i got a group of teams that are tied for who's going to benefit the most from having the universal DH. All 15 American League teams. All of them are going to benefit from this. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, I, yeah. Yeah, because playing at National League Park is just going to be way better. Well, you know, I'll use this analogy because I'm a Twins fan and I'm wearing my Twins uh, jacket right now. Um, Nelson Cruz, he was such a big part of their run last season. And there was a stretch there for about, I don't know, they had like an East Coast interleague road trip where they were in like Philadelphia and maybe Washington or something like that. And he couldn't play for about a whole week because you can't put him in the field. He's he's yeah. 40 years old. He's a slugger, and he's a great hitter. He can still rake, but you can't put him in the field, and that's a big asset for the Twins. Uh, this is going to help teams like them, teams in that kind of situation. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, something I probably wouldn't have thought of. But the American League has built a lineup now to have those guys, to have those guys around them. So – being able to play Nelson Cruz or Adam Dunn-esque, I know he's not in the league anymore, but your Adam Dunn-esque players in the lineup, I think that's going to be a huge help. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Who are, like, the stereotypical DH guys, like the guys that cannot field anymore? They just got to be in the lineup as a hitter. I mean, Jay Bruce was a good one. Nelson Cruz might be the gold standard. Um, you know, and I, I know uh, – Bryce like... Harper. <laughs> You'll, um, you'll never let that go, will you? No, never. <laughs> not until he's not paid $330 million. Um, I mean, the first guy that comes to mind is, oh, my, go- oh my gosh, I just had him. 
Um, Would it be Panda? Uh, Chris Davis. Chris, oh, Chris, Chris Davis. Davis. Chris yeah, Davis. yep, that's a good one. Yeah, and not even because he's a good hitter, but just because he's getting paid too much to not play him, you know? <laughs> um, and there are a couple other guys. There, there are guys I miss, man. Carlos Quentin, I feel yes. like. Yes. Oh, boy, I was, was watching his old Twins insane. game from, like, 2010, and I saw him, and, boy, I just felt old just watching that. Yeah. Um, you, you think about some guys who maybe are out of the league now that were like the perfect DH. Like Some guys were perfect DHs to the point that they couldn't play for half the teams in baseball. They couldn't play in the National League, so you were limiting them to 15 teams who could sign them. You, you think about guys like Jim Tomey, I think, would have benefited from this uh, big time right yeah. now. I, I think about Paul Konerko, Frank Thomas, guys Frank, like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. Are you, like, reading my mind, dude? Those were exactly the three <laughs> I was thinking about. Even Manny Ramirez a little bit. Um, it, it, especially in the end of his career. Oh, you know, you know who I remember? Jack Cunt. <laughs> oh, from Jack the Oakland A's. Cunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. He would have been perfect for this, man. I <laughs> I feel like I'm 10 years old. Yeah. Who's another guy? Adrian Gonzalez now, nowadays. Yep. I feel like he can't field anymore. Um, this would have been perfect for Adrian Beltre. Yeah. Albert Pujols is going to be good for. Pujols, yep. Yeah. Although he's, he's still playing the field a little bit. The Angels do have the DH option, but you got to imagine that that is probably on – its last legs. Albert Pujols is a fielder. Yeah, probably. How many more years does he have on his contract? One? Is this his last year? I, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I think it might be. Might be. But I, I tell you what, the Universal DH is going to help the 15 American League teams. It's going to help out teams like the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Reds, the Cubs, the Nationals, maybe the Mets. Anybody else I'm missing, Mike? Well, any, any other National League teams that have enough depth that you like, or did, or did we get them? Well, maybe not enough depth, but it's going to help the Giants out because Hunter Pence and Buster Posey just ain't the same fielders they once were. <laughs> Even Pablo Sandoval, too. Yeah. They Pence have three guys. Yeah, they have three guys. I mean, Hunter Pence was an all-star last year as a designated hitter, so maybe he could be something good. But I feel like the designated hitter role is going to rely more, is going to fall more on the shoulders of, Buster Posey and Pablo Sandoval down the stretch because one, the Giants have Joey Bart coming up, who's of course a catcher and probably going to take over for Posey this season. Mm -hmm. And then two, Pablo Sandoval just, he's really bad in the field now. Like Hunter Pence can still go out there and make some plays. Pablo Sandoval can't. You know, and I'm glad you brought up Joey Bart because uh, did I ever tell you I watched him play in college? Oh, he play at Coastal Carolina? No, he played at Georgia Tech. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's Georgia right. Georgia Tech, they came up to Notre Dame, I think, in 2017. I was there for a weekend series. So, uh, yeah, he is he's the real deal. And uh, what is the second overall pick a few years ago? Yeah, uh, who was the first overall pick that year? Casey uh, Mize? It might have been Casey Mize. That might have been that draft. Maybe. But either we'll or, uh, Joey Bart, yeah, he's going to be the real deal when he gets up there for the Giants. Um. You know, you brought up Hunter Pence, and I think about one of his teammates from the past. Uh, Joey Gallo has been one of the, you know, intriguing players, but he's still fielding, even though he's not a stereotypical outfielder. He's still consistently seeing the field. I mean, he's kind of sneaky fast. Like he's got deceptive speed, at least for his size. Uh, he's rel he moves relatively well for his size, is what I should say. 
Yeah, but I like that one. Hanley Ramirez is another guy. Hanley Ramirez, is he even still in the league? No, he had that whole thing where, like, apparently he killed the guy or something. Wait, what? Uh, yeah, you didn't hear about that? I didn't. Like, I genuinely did not hear about this. Yeah, well, he didn't, like, they're not saying he killed the guy, but they found a dead guy in, like, one of, in, in a property that he owns or oh something. Oh, my gosh. How did yeah. I miss this? Yes, that was, like, a big deal. And there was something about, like, a illegal drug smuggling ring or, or something. I, and, uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Three-time All-Star Hanley Ramirez. I had no idea. Yeah. So, a bunch of stuff happened with him. But, yeah, he, he would have made a good DH. That's the point I'm trying to make. Not not all the illegal stuff. It's, yeah, probably a good DH if he ever got the chance. I am looking at Hanley Ramirez's bio right now. And it says, in June 2018, he was not linked to the investigation. But, wow, I'm kind of shocked that I missed this. Yeah, that was a that was a huge thing. I know I was in uh, Duluth at the time, so I'd like to say I was concentrating on my work, doing uh, broadcast for the Duluth Huskies, but I was probably just goofing off and missed it. <laughs> Either way, um, hey, while we before we go to break, uh, while we're on the subject of Boston, how about David Ortiz? He would have thrived in this. Yeah, I mean, he was still thriving no matter what. I well, mean, he could still play a little bit of first base, couldn't he? Uh, no, no, he couldn't. Probably no, not. He couldn't. But no. either way, uh, it would have expanded his reach of potential suitors. He could have played in the National League with this kind of role. He would have benefited from it. You know what's crazy? I heard the other day that David Ortiz was actually in the Seattle Mariners system when he first came up. He was. and Yeah, and there was a chance he could have played in that Death Star lineup they had with uh, – Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez and Ichiro. No, no, Ichiro wasn't there at that point. But uh, And Edgar Martinez and Jay Buhner. There was a chance he could have played with them, but they traded him away. That was part of a series of really, really bad trades that the Mariners made around that time. They had some of the best prospects all at the same time, and uh, they shipped off David Ortiz to the Twins, and then the Twins promptly made a terrible trade in their own right and sent him to Boston. Um, I tell you what, we are coming up on our next break, so let's take that now. When we come back, ESPN just released their top 10 basketball players of all time. We'll tell you what we like and don't like about that list. Plus, we start playing for hockey and basketball still to come on ESPN-UP. Lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks. Ishpeming Concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started. Get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks. That's a whole lot less than the 25 bags you'd need from the home store. Sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter. Topsoil, the softer side of Ishpeming Concrete. 400 Stone Street behind Robbins Flooring. Open weekdays 8 till 4.30. Locally owned with a total commitment to quality there's no contact paying with a credit card and you don't need to leave your vehicle now open saturdays seven to noon remember health insurance reform in 2013 there were new choices some good some not and lots of confusion fast was there to help customers through the process and make sure they were protected well here we go again with auto insurance reform Vast is ready to help you choose the best protection for you, your family, and your future. There's no one-size-fits-all here. Let Vast help you navigate the options and understand the big picture of your coverage. Hi, honey, I'm home. 
what's new? Hustle delivered our new washer and dryer today. Oh, that was fast. Any problems? None at all. The guys arrived on time, hooked up the water, and hauled away the old ones. Have a look. Hi. Uh, hi. Uh, sweetie, what are these guys doing in our laundry room? They're the household guys. Okay, I can see that. But why are they standing against the wall? <laughs> why, they're standing behind their products, silly. Would you boys like some more coffee? Household appliance and art van furniture, locally owned, US 41 West, Marquette. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. a one-year deal with veteran cornerback Prince Amukamara. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey announces that pro sports can return in his state on May 16th, also known as the Saturday. And finally, Boston Celtics big man Inez Cantor announces that he plans to join WWE as an in-ring talent once his basketball career ends. The six foot ten Turkish national is currently averaging 8.2 points a game to go along with 7.7 rebounds. How would you like to see Inez Cantor as a pro wrestler? There are a couple athletes I would have loved to have seen. I mean, obviously, Rob Gronkowski set the stage, and I think a lot of people are going to sort of try to go down that route just because it's a, it's a great gig, it seems like. I don't know. It seems very sportsmanlike. I'd love to see George Kittle do it. Hmm. That'd be great. That'd be a good one. I, you know what? I mean, what I want to see is yeah, I want to see a turn. match. I want to see a match between Gronk and Inez Cantor. Oh, dude, I mean, that's sort of unfair. I mean, Inez Cantor is still in his prime in, the, in, in some sense. The Gronk is past at this point. Yeah, maybe Gronk has a year of pro wrestling experience under his belt, but I'd take Inez Cantor in that you all really? day. I'd probably take yeah. Gronk. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think I, I, Gronk has just got that kind of raw strength that, you know, and somehow he's, you know, even become polished at this point in his career. Uh, you know, I, I think I would take Gronk, but... Could you imagine they have that fight in Boston, you know, with two Boston sports? I don't know if they're heroes. Gronk is. Cantor is not, but uh, at least not yet. Maybe if he can help the Celtics win the title, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that would I think that'd sell some tickets. They, they could do it right now while we don't have sports. All eyes would be on that fight. WWE's been going on for a little bit, haven't they? I mean, they had a fight a couple of weeks ago. Yep, WWE, UFC, they are – Still doing their thing, although Saturday night, what was it? They were supposed to have a fight, and the night before, one of the fighters tested positive for COVID-19. It's uh, it's, it's a mess trying to get all this started back up. Well, at least they're doing their due diligence. They at least are. they're testing the night before. And stuff. They are, and I give them credit for that. I do want to talk about that, the restart plans for uh, basketball and for hockey, but first I want to get to this. ESPN has given their player rankings for uh, the NBA all time, and they came out with number one through ten today. So I want to go through this list with you, Michael. You tell me if you like where this guy is, if he should be higher, lower. Where you know maybe you might agree or disagree. Number ten on ESPN's list of the greatest NBA players of all time, Shaquille O'Neal. I like that. Shaquille O'Neal is probably the best. Yeah, he better be the, the, the highest rated big man on there besides maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but. Um, yeah, I think he's way better than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he was the best team on, I think he was the best player on the Lakers championship teams. And I think he was, I think Dwayne Wade was better than him at that point in the Miami Heat. But 
other than that, I think everywhere he went, he was the best player until about 2008-ish. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. Number nine on this list was his teammate for many of those championships and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I like that one too. I think he, I think he's getting put up a little bit higher because of you know the recent tragedy, but um, I mean five championships speaks for itself. I think his accolades outside of championships are a little lacking. I'd probably put Shaquille O'Neal higher than Kobe Bryant, but I, I'd say they're both deserving of top ten. Would you say that had Kobe Bryant not passed away, would you said that he would still be a top ten player? With would I say it or would they say it? Would you? Would I? Probably not. I'd probably put him around 15-ish. Really? If he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why if is I'm that? Being, if I'm being completely honest. Well, because, I mean, what, 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 what do you mean by why is that? Like, I don't want to get into, like, well, he's not as good if he die, if he didn't die. But like, no, no, I, I, I know. I just, I, I, I feel like Kobe is a top 10 talent all time. I, you know, and I, I do, I, mean, I think, understand a little bit of your reasoning in the sense that, yeah, it was scoring, it was championships that are the big reason why he's up there, but is it is it just because he wasn't as skilled as uh, fluent in a lot of those other areas? I think a lot of I think a lot of the reason that people have him so high is because of his brand. And like obviously it was on a big stage, you know, in Los Angeles and whatnot. But aside I mean, one MVP, five championships. He has pretty much the same statistics and same accolades out uh, take away NBA titles. He now has the same accolades and same statistics as Dirk Nowitzki. But you wouldn't put Dirk Nowitzki anywhere near the top ten. No. You might put him you might put him in the teens, but you would like if I were to tell you if I were to say, Hey, I think Dirk is a top ten player, I I'd get laughed out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like you know? So I mean fair enough. I understand. Uh number eight on this list, Tim Duncan. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'd be chicken. I mean, I'd put Shaquille O'Neal higher than Tim Duncan. I would, too. I would put, I'd probably put Kobe ahead of Tim Duncan, in all honesty. Oh, I don't know if I'd put Kobe ahead of Tim Duncan. I mean, I respect uh, Tim Duncan's game. I just, eighth old time? I I don't know. uh, What does he have over Shaq? I mean, he has less championships. He has, I mean, they have, have, I I don't know. What does he have over Shaq? Statistically or accolades-wise. I don't know. I agree with you. I think Shaq should be ahead of Tim Duncan. He has free throw percentage on him, yeah. but I don't know, man. Like Tim Duncan was more fundamental, but just in terms of sheer basketball skill, I feel like Shaquille O'Neal was way more imposing and he was quicker. But I mean, Tim Duncan was very good at what he did. Yeah, I don't know. Was Tim Duncan better defensively? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, either or. Uh, we'll just label that one as questionable number seven on espn's list of the greatest nba players of all time larry bird my favorite player of all time but uh as much as i'd like to put him at number one seven's probably about where he should be yeah seven or six before you started saying the top 10 was probably where i would have put him yeah so larry legend i mean he's up there for greatest shooter of all time he's probably top three maybe i mean as long as you make sure you know steph curry's number one then uh (laughs) Then, yeah, then, then we're both on the same page. Number six on ESPN's list of the greatest NBA players of all time, Wilt Chamberlain. I always feel like Wilt Chamberlain gets snubbed on these. I'd put Wilt Chamberlain at three um, just because in terms of sheer uh, – everybody says, oh, it's because he didn't play against good competition. 
And I've always thought that that was a weak argument. Mm. It's because it's like somebody doesn't choose who they play against, right? Mm. So in, just in terms of what he was able to do against the competition that was readily available in that day and age, he was so far and away the best player. He was more dominant than Michael Jordan was or LeBron James was in in their heyday. That's what I think, at least, All just right. from like looking at their stats and looking what he was able to do. He was the most dominant force ever, and nobody ever gives enough credit to that. They just say, well, he didn't play against good people. And I'm just like, yeah, he didn't choose that. <laughs> and maybe maybe he wouldn't have been as dominant, but, I mean, his statistics are still insane either way. So for you, it's more about not who they played, but how how much they dominated, the level of dominance that they took the league by. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at anything – if you look at anything – like, I was watching a video the other day that was putting basketball players into tears, and they were talking about Fred Van Vliet, or Fred Van Vliet. And they said if Fred Van Vliet was in the 80s, he would have been a dominant point guard. But because medicine keeps getting better and training keeps getting better, we have the best athletes right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we could say that, then by far LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan because, you know, he's just a better athlete and he's playing against better competition. But no. Because Michael Jordan was playing in an era where the medicine wasn't as good, where the training wasn't as good, uh, he was, but he was still so dominant that he was able to put up those number six titles, and it's phenomenal. So we put a lot of that on him over LeBron James, and but we do the exact same thing with my, we do the exact same thing with Will Chamberlain. But that destroys Will Chamberlain's reputation, and I just never understood that. All right, I like that kind of thought process. I get that. And- you, you might have swayed me on my thoughts on somebody else a little bit later on in this list. We are going through ESPN's list of the greatest NBA players of all time. The top ten, we have Wilt Chamberlain at six, Larry Bird at seven, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaq. So we get into the top five, and at number five is Magic Johnson. You like him being at number five all time? That's right where I would have put Magic Johnson too. Yeah, I always think it's a, I, I think it's a little funny always because Larry Bird has got to be always so upset that he's placed one or two spots in every list behind Magic Johnson, just a little bit behind. Does that irritate you at all? Uh, I know you're a Celtics fan. A little bit as a Celtics fan, but it, as a, an unbiased journalist, not really, because I, I I can't <laughs> really make the case. <laughs> I just I'm a fan of Larry. You know, he was my favorite player. He's the reason I became a Celtics fan. Uh, although, you know, I never got to see him play live. I just, I've enjoyed his game. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to say he's ahead of Magic Johnson, but probably not, in all honesty. I mean, he won the Rookie of the Year over Johnson, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah, so he's got some things over him, but I wouldn't say enough to put him over the top. Right, yeah. Uh, Number four on this list, and this is the one I was talking about earlier, Michael, that uh, you might have swayed me on this, is Bill Russell. And the reason you might have swayed me is I I don't feel like Bill Russell was the greatest Celtic of all time. I think it's it's Bird and then it's Bill Russell. But, uh, you know, and Bird played in be- uh, an era that was better than when Bill Russell did. But like you said, Russell was that dominant back in those days that I, I think uh, I think he swayed me that, yeah, I can be persuaded to put Russell ahead of Bird. Yeah, I, I think that there's a difference, though, between what I was saying about Wilt Chamberlain and what I'm saying about Bill Russell is Bill Russell was great, but he wasn't as dominant as Wilt Chamberlain was, right? 
And the only reason that Bill Russell is here isn't because of his statistics. It's because of his 11 championships. Is, is that fair to say? I yeah, feel like that's probably, fair to say. probably that's, yeah. Right? And yes, it's great to win 11 championships, but I think that championships aren't the end-all, be-all. I think uh, because you got to have a very, very, very good team around you, unless you're a generational-type player, which I think Michael Jordan was, I think Wilt Chamberlain was, but I wouldn't, I mean, I obviously never saw Bill Russell play, but uh, I think that Bill Russell wasn't the generational-type pure talent to win 11 titles on his own. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, I agree with you. So would you put Bird ahead of Russell? Yeah, I would put Bird ahead of Russell. I would put Magic ahead of Russell. I'd, uh, I'd probably put Bill around. I don't even know if I'd put him top ten. I'd probably put him like eleven ish. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, eleven ish or twelve ish. I tell you what, uh, number three on this list. We're getting down to the top three of ESPN's rankings of the top NBA players of all time. You know, for a little drama, Michael, let's just go to the top two and work our way back to number three because <laughs> we all know who the top think, two are. I think I know who number three is too. <laughs> I mean. Let, let, yeah. let's, we'll save that a little bit later on. Let's go to the top two where I, we all know who it is. They have Michael Jordan ahead of LeBron James. Do you like that or dislike that? I like it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in terms of accolades, they're pretty much exactly the same. So what's it come down to? Uh, success. Team success. And Michael Jordan just has that by far. So, yeah, I like it. 6-0 and oh versus 3-6, and six, you know, that kind of argument. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nobody, both- nobody remembers. Yeah, nobody remembers who came second place. So if you lose in the finals, I think that counts to absolutely nothing. I don't care about it. Uh, our number three and the final member of the top ten on ESPN's list of the greatest NBA players of all time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than putting Wilt Chamberlain at number three and Kareem at four, I totally agree with that. Yep, you like Kareem at, at uh, you know, and honestly, it would say that he was the greatest Laker of all time before LeBron put on the L.A. uniform. Uh, do you like putting Kareem ahead of Magic? Yeah, I like putting Kareem ahead of Magic. I mean, back when I was in L.A., I was on a show called Going Rogan where we talked about who we thought the greatest Laker of all time was. And um, my opponent, the guy I was debating against, said Magic Johnson. And the biggest argument I had against Magic Johnson was Magic Johnson, I don't think, was even the best player on his team for three of those five championships. Mm. Was he still a phenomenal player? Yeah, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still there knocking down buckets and doing skyhooks and changing the game absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. I think for half, more than half of those championships, because there were five championships, Kareem was still the best player. And he was there for all five of those championships with Magic Johnson. So I would definitely put Kareem ahead of Magic just, just by a little bit, but still I'd put him ahead. Outside of basketball, I think Kareem – might take the cake over Magic in the sense that Kareem uh, has been an actor. I watched Airplane a couple of weeks ago, and I I think he's kind of a pretty good actor. And Magic, of course, was the guy who was forced out of his ownership role with the Lakers, or his uh, general managership with the Lakers. Yeah, but then he became like an owner of the Dodgers, and he's doing pretty well with that. So he is doing well with that, but no championships. Man, it, uh, <laughs> it always comes down to championships. That's true. That's true. Jerry West, uh, he's built a bunch of other stuff, so maybe he's the greatest Laker of all time. You think about it, how uh, some of these Just Lakers... Just pure some of the, Laker. Like, yeah, you know? You know, and we have uh, of the top five on ESPN's list, three of them 
are Lakers or have worn the Laker uniform, and two of them have made it uh, have made a go of it in acting after basketball during their basketball careers. Uh, and LeBron and Trainwreck. LeBron, he was awesome in Trainwreck, and he's going to come out in Space Jam. Kareem was in Airplane. I thought he was really good at that. Uh, Magic, is Magic in any movies, anything like that? I don't know if he's in any movies. I, I don't know if he is either. So in terms of movies, stuff you're doing outside of basketball, yeah, I, I'm probably – I'm going to use that as a tiebreaker. Uh, if, if we had a tie, <laughs> that's going to be our tiebreaker. Was Wilt ever a, a Laker? I, I don't, don't think, he think he was. But there's more than three that wore the Lakers jersey for the top ten, right? There Shaq, was four. Kobe. Oh, excuse me, five. Uh, Kareem, five, yeah, LeBron, five. Magic, Shaq, and Kobe. Yeah, five of them, yeah. Oh, and by the way, Wilt Chamberlain was a Laker. I just looked it up. Six. So six. <laughs> Played for the Lakers from 68 to 73. Yeah, I thought he did. But he's still, he'll still always be remembered as a Golden State Warrior. Yeah. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hopling with you. We're glad to have you along as always. Let's take our last time out. We'll dive a little deeper into baseball, uh, basketball and hockey's restart plans on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Who. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hopling with you. We're glad to have you along as always. Hockey and basketball. When will they restart? Will they restart? What have you? Uh, I want to break this down for you, Michael. And, you know, I think about it in a way that hockey's uh, commissioner, Gary Bettman, said that not finishing this season is not even on his radar right now. Like, there is no thought right now from him about canceling the remainder of the current season. Meanwhile, basketball had a text vote kind of yesterday. It's almost like a group chat. They just they voted thumbs up or down. Do you want to continue this season? And the overwhelming majority said they want to continue this season. Um, you know, basketball, I, I, I would like to see him do that selfishly. Uh, well, maybe not selfishly because, you know, like what a lot of people are going through in sports media right now, uh, if they don't have these playoffs and the TV deal and, you know, at least generate some revenue from this, there's going to be a lot of people in our line of work that are going to be furloughed or going to be laid off. And a lot of people already have been. Um, but I get it. You want to put safety ahead of everybody, uh, ahead of everything else. You want safety. Um, I just, I don't know that there is a plan in place for basketball right now. I mean, I get it. They've been hit hardest by this in the sense that, more basketball players have uh, been uh, tested positive for COVID-19 than any other sport, but baseball's already got a plan in place. Basketball just doesn't seem to have that sense of urgency. 
I think basketball is the best at this, though. Well, it doesn't seem like they might have anything. I guarantee you they have a plan. They just haven't released it to the public yet. Basketball is always the best at handling this kind of stuff. They're the best in terms of player empowerment and player safety of any other league. I mean, they're the best in terms of just content that we've seen thus far, mm. right? I mean, that's always what they've been. They've been very progressive. They've been very good at handling a lot of situations. So I guarantee they have something in place. But until they have it set in stone, I don't think they want to give anybody false hope. Yeah. I, I, I want to believe that. I really do. And Adam Silver did say he's going to make the decision on whether to restart the season or not in the next two to four weeks. Uh, basketball, you know, they you look at it from a financial aspect. And, again, safety's first. Safety trumps all. You want to make everybody safe. But – uh, financially, maybe they could survive this. Um, hockey, I don't know. Hockey, I really don't know that they have enough in their war chest. And I think that's a big reason why Gary Bettman is so motivated to get the season started. And a uh, proposal said that if hockey does resume their season, that uh, report, uh, proposal, what have you, says that the players would have to have full face shields, their uh, their helmets would have to have full facial sh- uh, shields instead of partial ones, and fighting would be banned. Which, okay, fine. I mean, it's, it pretty it's, much is at this point. <laughs> when was the last time you actually watched a hockey game and you remember seeing a fight? That's true. That's true. I tell you what, uh, poor Ryan Reeves. What's he going to do? What's Tom Wilson going to do? Know. I don't know, man. We're talking about all these sports media people being furloughed. What about the enforcers, man? <laughs> Poor Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane, the Tom Wilsons of the world, man. They Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But uh, either way, if uh, we have to give up fighting, we have to make it official. You know, it's kind of an unspoken thing right now. But if we have to make it official for hockey to come back, I am okay with that. That's a small price to pay. Uh, In terms of the face shields, I feel like, in terms of the face shields, I feel like that was bound to happen at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, in terms of player safety, I feel like that was the next step. I mean, there have been so many players that have just been hurt not wearing a full face shield, so I guarantee that that was going to happen with yeah, the next save couple a few of these. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, um, I don't know that hockey has enough in their war chest to be able to survive financially it is it, life as they know it right now. I mean, the league, well, sure, it'll survive, but lots of cuts. Uh, maybe even if, you know, we have an expansion franchise coming out in Seattle here in about a year. Uh, they they need a lot of this. And you know what? People will watch playoff hockey if it comes to the point where we don't finish out the regular season and we just have to go into the playoffs to, you know, keep a lot of these TV contracts and keep a lot of sportscasters, sports writers employed. Uh, people will watch playoff hockey, even if they haven't watched a game all year. Playoff hockey is something special now. I mean, people will tune in for that. Yeah, playoff hockey is always the best, man. <laughs> like, I mean, even the, the tune that they had for NBC, NHL, and NBC, that was always great, iconic. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got way better moments than anything else in recent memory, from what I can think of. Like, right. other than LeBron James on, on Andre Iguodala block in the NBA Finals, I can't think of anything else, like, that comes close to the NHL playoffs. Just because there's so much uh, parody in the NHL, you never know what's going to happen. Mm. NHL or NBA, I don't even know what the point of the first two rounds are. <laughs> we know who's going to make it to the Western Conference Finals for the most part. We know who's going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the most part. But the NHL... 
you can have the best team that anybody's seen in 10 years get swept in the first round by the eighth seed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that literally happened a couple of years ago. Yep, yep. The so, Lightning getting swept out by Columbus. Uh, playoff hockey, like it is just that special that they have a terrific product. So I'm sure Gary Bettman is uh, he's going to say it publicly, but I'm sure that he has no thoughts of canceling the season. Now it's all about how do we get this terrific product to market? Now, how do we make it safe? for athletes to be able to compete. And I tell you what, Michael, uh, on a personal note, you know, I'm from northwestern Iowa, and uh, there's a there's been some changes in Iowa here lately, and the governor there is Kim Reynolds, and she said a few weeks ago that 77 of Iowa's 99 counties were going to be allowed uh, to reopen, that they could open up their salons and restaurants, gyms, what have you. And the 22 counties that were the hardest hit by COVID-19 were going to remain closed. Well, she kind of reversed that today, and she's opening up all 99 counties in Iowa. And my home county was one of the the uh, counties that was allowed to reopen. They've seen their numbers increase pretty rapidly here over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Everyone who's listening to this already has made up their mind on why that is. There are going to be some people who said they should never have been allowed to reopen, and there are others who are going to say this is natural. We we knew it was going to hit here sometime. It's just running its course. Uh, regardless of that, once you open up the counties and the state, then what do you do if you do come in contact with a spike and it is directly related to your reopening? That's going to be what hockey and basketball are going to have to deal with because what if they get all of this going, they get a plan in place, they get everyone to an isolated area and they finish out the season in one or however many locations and a player tests positive for COVID-19. Then do you isolate that player? Do you isolate that team? What do you feel like it'll throw a complete wrench and that will probably be the death punch. That'll be the knockout. If you get one player to test positive, I think what you should do is because everybody knows as of right now, or uh, uh, from what we know about the disease right now, it takes about 14 days at most to flush through your system. So what do you do? You shut down league operations for three weeks, not two, not 14 days, three weeks. Shut it down for three weeks at the beginning of uh, when you find everybody uh, being when you find even one person testing positive, shut down operations for three weeks, test everybody in the league at the beginning and at the end of the three weeks. If there are still any positive results, keep it shut down for another for another three weeks. But, but if there aren't, then you can resume play once again. But is that so, logistically possible? Is that realistic? Because you're going to have to MLB have- did it. MLB did it. They <laughs> tested 5,603 people. That was... That just came out in their in their report uh, two days ago. I mean, trying so. to delay the season again to the point where you've got the arena, you've got these players quarantined, and it's, you're probably going to have to have hotels booked for them, and uh, uh, trying to get the arena, you know, sanitized or whatever, and available to you, plus the TV contracts. I just, I don't know if it's if it's realistic to to say that the season could start up again if it gets shut down again. I think three weeks wouldn't be anything at this point. I think that that would seem like just an elongated all-star break at this point. I think it 100% could be done. Yeah, it would suck to see the season get shut down again, but enough players 
will be willing to play once again. They want to make their salary. Obviously, the owners want to earn the money for playoff revenue and ad revenue and stuff like that. So I think they'd be willing to keep it going even if it gets shut down one or even two more times. Three more times, that could be a problem. But the NHL hasn't been hit too hard by it. Obviously, there was that one guy in the Ottawa Senators who got it. But aside from that, I don't think anybody in the NHL got it. So I think that they could survive. Uh, and I think it's unlikely that anybody, any one of them would get it if testing is as widely available as it's supposed to be in the next couple weeks or months. You know, what was kind of scary is uh, uh, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, John Forslund. He's actually a friend of this show. Uh, he was on here before my time here. When this first got really crazy back in mid-March, the Hurricanes were in whatever city uh, that the Jazz were in at that time. And I, I don't know why they you know, were there, what, who they were playing and everything. But John Forslund got the same hotel that Rudy Gobert had the night before when Rudy Gobert tested positive. And I don't know if that any, anything ever came of that, but I imagine that was got to be that's got to be scary. I never heard if John Forslund actually tested positive for COVID-19. But like you said, hockey has not been as hard hit as basketball. And really, no sports league in America, anyway, has been hit as hard as basketball has. Yeah. So I think that other leagues other than the NBA can take a little bit more risks. I'm not saying they should, but they can take a couple more risks. And I think that they are more likely to reopen if the league gets shut down once again after restarting. I tell you what. Whereas the NBA, they, they got no chance after it shuts down again. I tell you what, I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens, and I'm hoping that it all leads to good news and safety, that we're going to have sports and safety. People's lives are going to be spared, and they'll give us something to do here uh, by watching a, some sports a little bit later on this summer. With that, we're out of time, man. It's always good talking to you. I always appreciate you lending us your time. What do you have coming up at ABC 10? We don't have anything coming up at ABC 10. Well, we're just you've got to get on that, man. You've, you've, been, we're... you've been busy with your team of the year. <laughs> you had your hot takes yesterday. I'm waiting to see what the next big project is. we got a couple things that we have ideas for, but, I mean, like, the, the, there's something that I've been working on, but if I want to make it as good as I want to, I had to learn an entire new – thing i learned how to do how doing an entire new project on photoshop so i'm working on that i don't want to spoil what it is right now and i don't even know if it's going to come out to anything but that's the kind of stuff i'm working on just trying to learn new things take advantage of this quarantine just a little bit by trying to hone my skills and learn new things well i give you credit for taking the time taking the initiative and getting you know at least some positive uh positivity out of all of this with that, again, we're out of time. I appreciate you being on with me. I'm back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me for that. For John Michael Holfling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming, Marquette.